Welcome to episode seven of the Fantasy Game Theory Podcast, Jake. We've been gone for six months, and I'll just come out and say it. It's my fault. I got crazy busy. I'm a college kid, 21-year-old. It's my fault, Jake. Can you forgive me? It happens, man. I'm just glad we're back. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I've been very I've been looking forward to this. We started talking about it kind of like three weeks ago, kind of flirting with each other, kind of hanging out a little bit, texting a little bit. We said, screw it. Let's do it again. It's time. It's April. Let's get fired up. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm about as fired up for some April takes as anybody could be. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. All right. So you can read any articles, any podcasts. Everybody's talking about it right now. We'll cover it in five or 10 minutes. But Jake, we've got to talk about Martavis Bryant and Josh Gordon, the two, what should we call them? Suckers, maybe, of the NFL going on right now that is currently hurting Dynasty teams, we just had some new news that uh, Josh Gordon will not be able to be reinstated in the NFL uh, as of April 12th. He'll have to wait till August 1st to be reinstated. Do you think Josh Gordon will ever play in the NFL again? I, I think there's a better than average chance that he'll play again. He's a pretty young guy, but, you know, my first article I wrote of his was about Josh Gordon and selling high before he got suspended. And I'm not tooting my own horn. I think the same the same red flags are still there that there were two years ago. And we just have to do a better job of evaluating this risk with guys like this, with Bryant and, you know, Brian was suspended already. So that was kind of a, the first, the first warning shot, I guess you could say on, on, you know, having guys like this on your dynasty team. Yeah. So I don't know. What are you doing? I know you own at least one of them. Oh, okay. So we don't want to talk about our teams too much, but I actually have both of them on a single dynasty team. And I, I think the thing with Martavis, let's just start there. The thing with Martavis is he was such a big part of that offense. I actually tweeted out uh, some numbers earlier today uh, and I'll, I'll pull them up real quick, but I think people underestimate how big of a part of Martavis Bryant, like how big of a part uh, Martavis was in the Pittsburgh offense like with and without him um, in the past two seasons has just been completely absurd. So for, for example, when Martavis is in the lineup, Pittsburgh's offense scores 29.2 points per game and 2.3 points per drive without him 1.8 point per, points per drive and 22 points per game. I mean, that's a touchdown difference. So uh, Martavis is a huge Martavis has lost is no matter what you slice it is a huge, uh, huge loss to the Pittsburgh offense. Now for dynasty teams, I honestly, there's not really a good answer. Is there? I, I don't know. I mean, I've heard of people selling him for a second round pick a high second, you know, sounds pretty good. Um, I think I might, depending on my roster limitations, I might hold him just, just to see what happens. But yeah, uh, I, I kind of agree. If you have him, it's just, it's just so sticky. Like I could, I could, I, if somebody came to me right now and said, Hey, I'll give you the 208 or 209 this year for Martavis, I would really think about it just to get him off my roster. But if you're, if you have a deep bench and you've got like six or seven wide receivers that you feel really good about, I would be okay with holding Martavis. For sure. But I wouldn't fault you for selling him either. I mean, I, there's some smart people. I know Eric Carter from DLF is, he thinks Calvin Johnson has just as good a chance to come back and play versus Brian. So I, I can't argue that. 
Yeah, I saw that poll. It was pretty funny. I saw that. I, I don't know. I don't know if I agree with that necessarily, but it's it's definitely a, a funny question to bring up. Um, so, on that same note, what what would you if somebody came to you right now and you own Josh Gordon, what would it take for you to get off of him, knowing now that he can't be reinstated? Best case scenario, two weeks before the preseason starts in 2016, what what would it take? I'm taking what I can get, but I haven't been a Josh Gordon fan for a long time. So that's, oh, man, you, you need to pull up the YouTube highlights of him at 22 years old and just watch him ball out. I mean, he won this, I have this YouTube video of him on my personal YouTube account that I took of him just destroying a key to on like an 85 yard touchdown. He was so sick, dude. Uh, the guy was amazing. Um, and that's why he's still, he's a third round dynasty startup pick as of a week ago. So yeah, okay. NFL tends to, he's going in the third round. That's why people are still, you know, going after him. Cause everything you just said, but I, the, the risk, I mean, it, it was always there. I think people just kind of ignored it because of everything you just talked about. Yeah. I think the, there's just not going to be a way to properly assess these guys. It's really just going to come down to how you feel about your roster how many spots you have. I mean, if you have a deep, a deep roster, I mean, I'm in a dynasty league that has 30 bench spots. Like it's just a 30 roster at that point. Really? You might, if you have them, you might as well just hold them. But if you've got, I've got another league as 15 or 16 spots, then at that point you might see what you have to get. Yeah. That's too tough. It's too tough. All right. Well, I think we've talked about this too enough, Jake, let's get in some dynasty ADP. Uh, we talked about, uh, earlier, a couple of days ago when we said we we're going to bring back the show, we we're going to talk about it. Is there anybody you want to start off with? I know you've got some, uh, some Des Bryant love you want to get off your chest. Yeah. You know, Des, uh, was the top three pick a year ago. And now, uh, you know, according to, uh, DLF's ADP and Rotovis, he's going at the end of the first round. He's a 12 pick. That's uh, pretty sweet for a guy that is, uh, younger than Antonio Brown and, um, AJ green and only three months older than Julio Jones, who's going up in the top three. Also, what, what are your thoughts on Des? Yeah, I agree. Um, I definitely think it's a great recency bias play. I had Des probably maybe in August of last year, he was my number one dynasty pick and, uh, he's now my wide receiver six, just, I mean, too many guys. I mean, at some point I can't ignore Odell Beckham is the best wide receiver in the NFL. And some of that's just like naturally guys moving up. But yeah, I agree. I think he's going, you're getting about a half a round to an eight pick discount on an elite player. Is that, do you agree with that? Yeah, I totally agree. And I love, you know, the players at the end of the first round, if I have an early round pick, I'm probably going to trade down because, you know, if I can get Gronk and Dez on the same team, that is killer, man. I mean, I think Dez has all the same top five upside that Antonio Brown or Odell have. Um, and I, was, I did a recent article for Rotoviz, and I studied a, just top 12 scoring PPR going back 16 years. And I wanted to see if there was any correlation between play callers and these top scorers. And what I found is that there, there was. You know, uh, and Scott Linehan was a guy that came up a couple times. Um, did you know that he was the, the OC for Randy Moss for three years back in 02, 03, in fact? One of the biggest PPR seasons ever in 03 with Randy Moss. He had 378 points, and Scott Linehan was calling the shots. So the year before, he had 185 targets. So then uh, Linehan goes to Miami, 
And Chris Chambers has 166 targets in a career year. Then Wasn't he, that the year Chris Chambers had like all of those targets and he also had like 900 yards? Was that that season? Uh, no, he had 82 catches. So he only caught half okay. of his targets. Okay. But it, it was his best season. And he ended up rolling into a huge contract with San Diego because of it. So anyways, yeah. Linehan leaves. Chambers is never the same. Linehan goes to um, the Rams, and Torrey Holt has 179 targets at age 30, and the following years has 149 at 31, putting up top 12 seasons. Then Linehan goes to Detroit with Calvin, and I don't need to talk about what he did with Calvin that much, but Calvin had 158 target season and a 204 target season. So when you're looking at the last 15 years of PPR scoring, three of the top scoring seasons for a wide receiver came with Scott Linehan and he has Des Bryant on his team. So this is kind of similar to my Julio thing last year where, um, you know, Julio was, was getting Kyle Shanahan who had had all these wide receiver one seasons with Andre Johnson, loved to target his wide receiver one. Now he's got Des who's hungry, still in the prime of his career. I think he could throw to him 160, 180 times. Yeah. My, I guess my rebuttal to that is like Randy Moss, hot take is probably the most lethal wide receiver to ever play in the NFL. Calvin Johnson is probably in the top three after Jerry Rice. I disagree, but Dez Bryant is pretty damn. No, I hear, I hear what you're saying, but those guys are just, Dez is too. Dez is definitely a generational talent. Um, But yeah, no, I agree. And that's some really, really uh, interesting things to think about uh, with Linehan. He's definitely really, I mean, like you said, he, He's always been a pass happy guy and they're going to feed Des no matter what. So I actually pulled up some data um, from the 2014 season and Des Bryant had just as many wide receiver one weeks as Odell Beckham. Now keep in mind, Odell Beckham played in 12 games and Des played in 16 that year, but he had the ceiling of Odell Beckham, uh, Randall Cobb that year. He had uh, eight wide receiver one top 12 PPR performances. So just keep that in mind. I know people like to chase after the sexy girl at the bar. They like to chase what's new, but does Brian's hanging out there? He's, he's the 12th pick and he's a, he's a back half first rounder. And I just, I don't think he should be. I love him. I'm, I'm going all in on Des this year. I feel the same way about him as I felt about Julio last year. I'm tempted to take him at the one-on-one spot. I'm not joking. I know that's crazy. But with Antonio Brown, and I won't fault anybody for Antonio Brown, but for, to me, the stars are aligning. Jason Witten's a year older. There's not a real threat on the other side. Tony Romo's back. He's got a 62.5% catch rate with Tony Romo. Yeah. Three seasons in double digits. I don't know, man. I mean, that, that wide receiver one is possible, and it's a guy that you can get late. You don't have to be at the 101 pick. Right. Yeah, that's, that, that would be my thing. Yeah, I think I honestly, man, it's April. I, I don't know who I'm going to have as my PPR 101, and Dallas could very well add a wide receiver in the draft, but it doesn't really matter. I mean, we're still talking about Des Bryant. These are small little things, and Des is unbelievable. I mean, like I said, I mean he had he had one fewer top uh, top 12 PPR week in 2014 than Demarius Thomas, and that was when, before Peyton Manning got old. <laughs> Um, I mean, so I'm, I'm, I'm right there with right? What's that? I said it's all there. I mean, like I said, the yeah. stars are aligning. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So we can move on from there. Who who do you like as a body pick? You know, I, 
it's it's such it's I will say this. I've done a couple of the staff mocks over at Dynasty League Football where you can find my rankings and a bunch of other great rankings. Um, I'll go the opposite of who I like. And I'll and we're gonna agree on this. I don't we don't really have to talk about this this much, but Devontae Parker should not be a top twenty pick in, in Dynasty startups right now. That's just that's just ridiculous. I could not agree more. I mean he may not even be the top target on his own team. That, so, that's the thing like Jarvis Landry people love to hate Jarvis Landry and I think you and I were both kind of lukewarm on him last year is that fair to say yeah it's it is fair to say I'll admit to that yeah we were we were lukewarm but I I, I was kind of wrong about Jarvis Landry I mean think about this Jarvis Landry in his first two seasons has averaged 139 targets per year Miami just has only lost 90 wide receiver targets because of Rashard Matthews and I, I legitimately forgot Greg Jennings was on that team last year, but we have to count him. So they've only lost 90 wide receiver targets. And Landry is this target hog in the slot. You, you can say whatever you want about Jarvis Landry. You can say whatever you want about Ryan Tannehill. But the opportunity for Parker is not as high as some might expect. And I think, I think the thing is, is like they're just expecting Parker to come in and siphon like 40 targets from Landry but they don't realize that Ryan Tannehill loves that safety net with Jarvis Landry. I don't, I don't see how Landry's targets just automatically drop off by what? 25, 30%. I, I couldn't agree more. And you know, I tweeted this out and I got a lot of flack for this, but I said, I said, Parker kind of reminds me of Cordero Patterson. And, mm. and I, I, yeah, I disagree with that. Patterson, Patterson. Hold on, hold on. Let me, let me okay. finish. I'm right, not, not comparing him. I'm not saying he's going to bust like Cordero Patterson. But Cordell Patterson was a second-round pick. In fact, in my dynasty startup two years ago, I took Brandon Marshall after Cordero Patterson. And that's what this hype on Parker feels like to me, where it's a guy that's not going to live up to his expectations basically because of where he's getting drafted. You know? So that's why... That I can agree with. But the thing is, is like, Devontae Parker is a good wide receiver. Like, he is definitely... I mean, I loved him pre-draft. He hurt his foot... Uh, at Louisville in 2014. Um, and they came into the draft, heard it again in May. So he kind of had a slow start to his uh, rookie season. Didn't really come along. So I, I see that I definitely think he, there's going to be a natural progression for him, but he's to me going about, I, I have him personally as my wide receiver third in dynasty. I, and that, works for me, man. I, that would totally work. That, that, is that where you would have him if you... Yeah, if you, I mean, because that, that way the risk of him being a number two wideout is built into that, you know? And so you're not... you're not you know, He doesn't have to be the wide receiver 15 to live up to where you drafted him. You know, how, how about another guy that's similar to Parker, Kevin White? He's also the number two. We yeah. don't know what he can do. I mean, he's essentially a, a rookie. Um, he's going, you know, at the end of the second round of startups. I'm... <laughs> Honestly, I don't have as strong of a take on White as I do for Parker, but I definitely, I, I definitely see what you're saying. Um, I, I think both of these guys are being drafted, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, or we can talk more about this. But I think they're both being drafted as you, you want them as your number two wide receiver, but really you would want them as your wide receiver four, wide receiver five in fantasy and dynasty leagues. I, I, that's, that's just my personal philosophy. I, if I'm in that range, I'd rather have Brandon Marshall and it's not even close. I, I totally agree. And my, 
you know, my second round pick is going to be a safe one in a dynasty league. I, I, I tend to build my, my dynasty leagues like a stock portfolio. My big money is the early picks. So why am I spending my big money on a startup company? That's silly. You, you take stocks with a proven track record. You're taking Google. You're taking Apple. You don't spend it on, on this company that you have no idea how good they're going to be, not at that point of the draft. And so that's why I would never take a guy like that. I passed on the Cordell Patterson's of the world in, in years past, and there's just way too much risk for me. He could end up being great, you know. I don't take rookies either early on in these drafts. I go zero rookie and it's the yeah. same reason. I, I, don't I, don't disagree. I don't disagree that Parker one day, like I'm not diminishing his talent. I'm not saying he'll never be like a top 12 fantasy receiver. I'm just saying in terms of dynasty ADP, I just don't see how there's really, you're buying at his absolute, absolute best case scenario ceiling for the next two seasons. That That's just, I, I, I don't see how he, I don't see how his ADP is higher next year at this point than it is right now. Yeah, I totally agree, man. All right. Well, I got another one for you. How about DGB who's going early third? I'm okay with that. Really? I am. I mean, he, at least he's the number one target and, and Marcus Mariota, Marcus Mariota is going to be back. He's going to be healthy. You know, he had that knee issue at the end of the year. They'll have a head coach um, that, I mean, can, can wasn't hunt. I mean, give me a break, but um, you know, they'll have malarkey. They'll have just some continuity. I, I don't know. I'm okay. I'm okay with that. Do you, I guess you're not as high on DGB. No, I haven't seen it yet. I, like I said, that he's a company that hasn't proven that he can get it done. And it's, I, I'd be spending big money, you know, third round pick is still big money for my stock portfolio. So I, I'm going to pick up a Jordy Nelson, a guy that I still think can finish in the top 10, top five, even this late in his career. Um, you know, I'm going to, balance his age out a little bit later, but yeah, I'm not going to swing to me. That's too much of a swing for a fence this early in a draft. And, and that's just not the way I build my teams. You know, there's a lot, Jeremy Macklin is still on the board at that point, you know, even Marshall. I mean, you could, you could still get a top five season out of Marshall. Um, I, think, okay. I mean, I think, I, I think Marshall is going to be one of those old dudes that's still balling at like 34, 35. The thing with Marshall is he's not, he's never been like this burner. He's always been just a, an aggressive, uh, like kind of not necessarily a technician like, like Nelson, like Nelson is, but Marshall's always kind of been a bully, like the same ilk and of the Des Bryant's and Quan Treadwell's of the world. <laughs> I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about Treadwell on, on another podcast, but Marshall, Marshall's all, he, there's always going to be a spot for Brandon Marshall in the next two to three years. And I do agree. I, I think it's a little absurd uh, that DGB is going before him, but I'm, I'm okay with DGB in the sense that he's going, what is it? Uh, according to DLF, he's going 13 picks later than Devontae Parker. I mean, it's a full round. That's okay. Yeah. It's still too rich for me. Like yeah. I said, I'd rather have Jeremy Macklin who I know can get it done. And for the next couple of years, we'll be, yeah, that's, that's, that's fair. That's fair. So that, that's just the way I build my teams. Um, DGB might be fine. He's got some issues too, though. I mean, you got to look into that. He's got some off the field stuff into the past. I weigh that into, and when I'm spinning it, especially an early round pick like this, the guy better be a citizen on and off the field. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, the, he does have the domestic violence pass and that's obviously a sticky situation. Um, you know, hopefully he's turned his life around. We really don't know. I mean, that's right. the thing. That's the thing with judging character. We just don't know these guys. And 
Um, it's, it's frustrating to go on Twitter and see people just destroy Josh Gordon and these guys that do have issues off the field when they really don't even know him. Domestic violence is a whole nother thing. Um, we just don't know. I totally agree, man. Yeah. Let, let's move on. So we don't get too heavy on this. <laughs> yeah. We don't want to get too heavy on this spot. It's our first one back in six months. And we're, we're talking about these guys that might or not, you know, they're, they're not model citizens. Right. When everything's going to change in a month when the draft happens, you know, for sure. For sure. So give me, give me somebody else you like. That's not in the top four or five rounds. I'll give you, I'll give you one. It's Doug Baldwin. What okay. Do you, what do you think about Doug Baldwin before I, before I kind of go in a little Baldwin? Uh, I, I like him. I, what scares me is he had, he only had a hundred targets and so yeah. and he's crazy efficient and that offense never throws more than a hundred times to their top receiver. And so I think it's going to be hard for him to return value unless his targets go up, you know, Lockett's still there, but you know, where's he going? Seventh, eighth round. Uh, yeah, he's the 73rd pick, uh, according to April ADP. That's not that's, bad. Uh, right? that's, a bit, that's for what it's worth. That's after I'll just name some names here. That's after Jamal Charles, Jeremy Langford, uh, Lena Carew, Sterling Shepard, Derek Henry. Yeah. That's, think, a, that's a little too late for him. In my opinion, I'll, I'll tell you why. Um, even if you discount, you throw away six of his, uh, receiving touchdowns, uh, from week nine to week 17, he still would have been the wide receiver nine in PPR points during that span during week nine through 17. I don't know. I mean, I, I think the touchdowns are definitely going to regress. Don't get me wrong. And anybody that says that they're not is bullish, but you know, there's a floor there. I, I think there's a floor that people are underselling and that was a legitimately pretty nice breakout from him no matter what Russell Wilson did. I mean, yes, Russell Wilson went absolutely nuclear after Marshawn Lynch went down because he had to, they just didn't have much of a rushing game after Lynch uh, went down. And then they lost Thomas Rawls to the fractured ankle. So they kind of, they Baldwin by hook or by crook had to get, you know, get those targets. Um, but I, I think people are kind of underselling his floor. I, I like it. I, I got one that I would probably draft. It's uh, Deshaun Jackson. Mm. Ah, I love some DJX. You know, he's getting up there. I think he's, he's 29 years old, but this is a guy that's had, he's had four seasons in top 24. That's pretty good. And this is a guy that I can put in as my fourth, fifth receiver, you know, maybe start him in my flex. I think he's got another one or two left in him and I'm willing to take that risk with a ninth round pick. Yeah. I'm pulling up his ADP right now. He was, um, let's see here. Oh, here, here we go. He actually has the highest ADP he's ever had in the past. What am I looking at here? 18 months. So just for as a, as a barometer at this point last year, he was going as a 45th pick in DLF ADP. He's now going at one twelve. Wow. That's pretty good value. Pretty good, Jake. Pretty good. That's 50 spots of ADP and nothing's changed. I agree. And like I did, the Kirk Cousins, Cousins is better than RG three. Yeah, I think he's got a couple left in it. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I mean, I, I honestly I haven't gotten into um I haven't gotten much into like projections or anything for this year because it's man, it's fucking April. Like I I just it's April. <laughs> you know, but I definitely I definitely agree with DJX there. That's I didn't realize he's going at one eleven or yeah, 112. That's crazy. He's going one pick after Devontae Adams, and Devontae Adams is well, he's Devontae Adams. Uh, you know what? Devontae Adams was a fourth-round pick last year. Oh, my God. What a trade. Can we 
can we just note how big of a train wreck he was last year? That was my gosh. I mean, I did a startup last year. I drafted Jeremy Macklin and Brandon Marshall the rounds after Devontae Adams. I mean, I wasn't an Adams guy after his rookie year. I mean, he had some major, major red flags. Like I remember Cobb and Nelson, I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but they were top 15 in fantasy points per route. Um, his during 2014, that's when they were all healthy. Nelson was there and Devonte Adams was like 90th out of like 105 wide receivers. That to me, was a huge red flag that he couldn't even mark up average efficiency with Aaron Rodgers. And he gets all those targets, expected targets his second year. And we all know what happened. This is why I don't like guys like this in the first five rounds. You know, it's, there's just too much risk because this is what happens. You know, I look back on my 2013 startup draft and Justin Hunter was a fourth round pick. Money ball was a third round pick. You know, there's just, if you take the risk out of the equation and avoid those rookies, you don't have that problem. You should be able to look back three years later and your third, fourth round pick is still producing, you know? I think that speaks more to the kind of the shelf life of NFL players in general, though. Wouldn't, wouldn't you agree? Yeah. I mean, yeah. There's, there's just all, there's just going to be variants no matter what, you know, like Jamal Charles. I loved Jamal Charles last year and, um, you know, he tears his ACL. You just, there's nothing you can do about that, but I do agree. I, I do agree on the rookie point that, you know, somebody like Monte ball unproven, uh, you know, we talked about Devonte Parker earlier. I do agree there. Jake, do you have anybody else you want to talk about? You know, just, uh, this is going to get crazy if I say this, but Mike Wallace is a guy that I, I've been, thinking. Oh God. <laughs> you know what? Like before you go there, you can't quit him. Can't you? Here's my reasoning. He's really cheap. Okay. And in MFL tens, I've been able to get him like for nothing. He's going to an offense that likes to throw a lot and his skill set actually fits the quarterback that he's matched up with. Joe Flacco, you know, did really well with Torrey Smith. In fact, Torrey Smith was never outside the top 30 while he was in um, Baltimore. So I think with what Wallace does, there's a fair chance that he could outpace what, what uh, your draft man, he's going like in the, wide receiver 60 range. Yeah, that's, that's all fair. I think the thing is, is Rashad Perriman's third. I, I, I honestly, I don't know what's going on with Perriman's knee. He apparently, I, I saw a Roto world blurb. He still can't run. Like he's still not cleared to fully run with that PCL. So I think they got Wallace's kind of, we talked about this. Actually, we texted about this when they, when they signed Wallace, right. Wallace is kind of more like just veteran. If worst case scenario, Perriman doesn't ever work out. They'll, they'll at least have a deep threat because Steve Smith is, I mean, he's old and just tore his Achilles. But I have a stat here for you on Mike Wallace. Um, since he left Pittsburgh in 2012, he has just five games with 90-plus receiving yards and has been held under 40 yards in half of his games. He's played 48 games in, outside of Pittsburgh. He's been really bad, Jake. Yeah, really, really bad. You know what? He also is coming off a 10-touchdown season in his defense. And we're talking about Ryan Tannehill and Teddy Bridgewater, you know, yeah. I, I just I hear you. I hear you. But the thing is, is like, I, I, I'm going to go on a limb and say, Brashad Perriman will play this year. I really hope he does. I mean, I, I think the situation I, I, is still great. Um, but whoever ends up emerging there is going to be a huge value because if you add up Steve Smith's targets 
And then Aiken's targets after Smith went down, they were producing top 15 numbers for sure. So, yeah. and that's, that's classic Trestman. You know, they, they throw it a lot. You know, Trestman's only a couple of years removed from having two top 10 wide receivers on the same team with Alshon and Marshall. He threw, they threw to each of them over 140 times. So if that happens in Baltimore with whoever ends up being that guy, I, I think there's going to be some real value. Yeah, that's fair. Baltimore's offense just kind of fell apart last year, though. I mean, they just lost everybody. Justin Forsett got hurt. Steve Smith got hurt. Yeah, uh, Flacco. You have a tight end, yeah, and then yeah. Flacco tears his ACL. Yeah. That's a good point, though. I like your call on the Kamar Aiken. Here are his uh, wide receiver finishes. I just pulled them up real quick uh, by week. He had uh, wide receiver 20, wide receiver 14, 19, 41, 29, 8, and 19. So, so there's some really solid floor games in here. I guess I kind of forgot that Kamar Aiken was – there, there's some opportunity there and you're right. I mean, that just kind of goes to the point uh, where whoever emerges there, if it's Perman, if it's uh, Mike Wallace, God forbid, but if it's, uh, or if it's Kamar Aiken again, there, there's definitely, there's some targets there. And Steve Smith is, I, I kind of just don't want any part of Steve Smith, even he's extremely cheap. Yeah. No, I, what is he? 37. I mean, it's, it's getting up there. You know, it was bad at, at 36. So you, a lot of these guys fall off at 34. Look at Roddy White and Andre Johnson. So, yeah, Steve yeah. Smith turns 37 in exactly a month, and he's, again, coming off an Achilles stare. I, I love this guy, but, uh, you know, Father Time is flawless. He's, yeah. he's Father undefeated. Time is always undefeated, man. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's actually going to do it for this episode. Uh, Jake, how would you feel to be back in the co-host chair? It's awesome, man. I... I I'm thrilled to be back. I hope we can start something more regular. I, I know we're going to get into some, some stuff. We got to do some MFLs. Um, we had some spectacular guests last year between yep. Matt Harmon and TJ Hernandez. You know, hopefully we can get a couple more going this season, but I, I think uh, you and I bring some unique perspective that uh, it's going to be fun to share. Yeah, for sure. And I'm really glad to be back um, again. I'm at my universities. I'm a, not many people know this, but I'm a full-time college student and I'm trying to get done kind of at my university's will. Um, we'll see if I get to graduate in August. Maybe I will, maybe I won't, but, um, I, we definitely want to make this more regular. It's on me that we had to kind of stop there for that period, but I'm really glad to be back, Jake. It felt good. Me too, man. Me too. It's going to be, it's going to be a fun season. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to actually having some like concrete takes here in the next couple of months. Cause I just started firing up the projection machine again and felt pretty good. Awesome, man. Yeah. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. Thanks for listening, everybody.